everyone. Welcome back to the Completely Fucking Clueless podcast. We are so excited to be here with an amazing guest today, Megan Bowen. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited to talk to you because I have been watching you on TikTok literally since I got a TikTok. And I just feel like us being theater girlies, you being a theater girly, like there's just a lot in common that's going on here. Yeah, sometimes I forget. I've been on there since... 20 like early 2021 yeah and that's two years of people like following my life which yeah. is a little wild but I'm happy to be here and I'm yeah. very excited to talk with you guys yeah. thanks for having me how does it feel to like have all those people watching your life all the time um when I started my social media I did not intend to be a content creator yeah. influencer whatever whatever you want to call it, right? But I mostly started for my business. Mm -hmm. I started my business, Dance From Home, March 30th of 2020. Mm -hmm. New York was in lockdown. Everywhere was shut down. And I... Especially New York. I knew I needed to find clients. And the only way I was going to do that was to go on social media and be active. 100%. I kind of went into it being like, this is for my business. If I can talk about dance or workouts or whatever and get people like knowing what I do, hopefully mm-hmm. I can convert them to being clients. And I started doing that and then I just started having fun. Yeah. And that's kind of when I grew on there. Um, but with growing on social media, as you know, you know, you're open to being perceived. A hundred percent. And that got to me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I took last year, I really took last year off what yeah. I think I was still pumping content but I needed a second to just reevaluate that what people think of me is none of my business so now I'm feeling great if yeah. you would ask me six months ago what I thought about <laughs> being on social media was like I would have been like it's the worst thing ever don't do it and now <laughs> I'm in such a better place so I'm starting to love it again yeah but it is an up and down journey. I I don't, you know, what I recommend, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know, but. It's so interesting. I feel like that is something that I've gone through with theater and where I'm at with that right now. It's mm-hmm. like all of my life, and we discuss this all the time on our podcast, where like, you know, we grew up doing theater. It became like our sole identity. And now that we're, you know, just like playing like different I'm pl- playing different games experimenting with life um you know you can kind of see it in a different lens yeah to what it usually was for you yeah and majority of my content for a bit was all theater yeah. dance the industry and then you can really pigeonhole yourself 100% and niche into one category and what I found especially last year was like wait you guys there is so much more that I do and now like trying to expand from that. It's 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 a fun it's a fun game. Yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of going back to like your younger self, mm-hmm. like, you know, where did you grow up and how did you get into theater and dance? Yeah. I'm from Temecula, California, which for anyone that doesn't know is about an hour north of San Diego. Cool. So born and raised Southern California girl. Um, I grew up as a competition dancer, so I was in the rhinestones and the hairspray (laughs) and the whole thing, and I got into musical theater. I actually started doing singing lessons Mm -hmm. when I was in fifth grade, Cool. got into musical theater with our local community theater, Mm -hmm. 
And I did a few musicals. I did Oliver. I did Alice in Wonderland. And I did Cabaret when I was 13, which is a very inappropriate <laughs> age I to be in that. when I was 13. And I look back at that. And I'm like, whoa. I, I tell people, like, it was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> I know it's not okay. But, like, yeah. that was a part of my journey. And yeah. I fell in love when I did Cabaret. Yeah. I fell in love with theater. But... I, you know, got to high school, had to make the choice with my parents, whether it was going to be dance team or if I'm going to do like the Glee Club. And I, <laughs> yeah. I'm a little asshole. I was like, well, it feels cooler to be on the varsity dance team. Yeah. So I did dance team. Yeah. Um, it was really important for my family for me to go to college. Mm-hmm. My mom was first gen to go. So mm-hmm. Going to school has always been a big deal. So they said, you can do dance in college. You can do whatever you want, but you need to go to school. So graduated high school, knew I was going to go to college for dance. Mm -hmm. Um, Hadn't touched theater after I left my middle school days, but (laughs) went to college for dance, which was a whole journey we can get into if you want. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought in school I was going to be a concert dancer okay jazz dancer or with any sort of modern contemporary company I was on that track I wanted to do it um but with dance there's so many body issues and I was just told to just you know keep being smaller and even if you're not told you see who's being hired so you need to like fit that mold of what that is and I really struggled with that but I just kept grinding at being better yeah and it was my junior year I was in the Greek system at my school, and we did this thing called Songfest, where sororities and fraternities were paired up, Mm -hmm. and you got given a musical. And it was a big competition. You had to take the musical, condense it down to 12 minutes, and compete it at the school. The musical we were given was Pippin. And try condensing Pippin down to 12 minutes. Weird show to have to condense. Weird show to have to condense. (laughs) But I, in my sorority, I was the choreographer for the show. Yeah. And I... I just had so much fun with it. I put my whole heart into it. I was like, oh, yeah, you're a singer, girlfriend. Like, (laughs) get back into that. We won the competition. I decided, wow, I should do theater again. So I got involved in the theater department in uh, my junior, senior year of college. They had this thing called the New York Satellite Program. This is at UC Irvine, where if you got into it, you would come to New York your senior year, be out here for five weeks and just like train mock auditions meet casting directors and I got into that did that decided New York and theater was for me kind of transitioned what I wanted to do graduated and then six months later I moved out here so that's kind of the journey to getting here of getting here and dance and theater how (laughs) was it going to school for dance because we got our BFAs in music theater so I imagine there's a lot of differences there yeah I mean I loved my college yeah experience it was fantastic the training was intense Mm -hmm. I was dancing anywhere from four to eight hours a day uh rehearsals classes very demanding on the body yeah And, you know, I really liked balancing that with my social life. And my boyfriend always makes fun of me because he was like, there's no way you partied in college. But, like, I was wild, Are you kidding me? The performing arts kids are the wild ones. I would show up to Modern 8 a.m., three days a week, like – spinning doing my like floor (laughs) groundwork because I was out at parties the night before but yeah anyway good times my you know the dance training there was great and I really grew as an artist Mm -hmm. I don't you know I don't know 
people always ask if they would recommend like going to college for dance. And I think everyone has such a different pathway. Yeah. For me, it was great. Getting into school, not so great. But I, have, I, have, I feel you. You know, I did. I did have a good time. I learned a lot, and I wouldn't have had the technical background in in my like actually the way I dance if I had not gone to school. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of the performing arts, but especially because I went to an arts high school where I majored in theater, but a lot of my closest friends majored in dance. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the performing arts, but specifically dance, sort of require you to grow up really fast. Mm-hmm. Um because there is a sort of set time limit mm. put on you. Mm-hmm. And I watched that like pressure, especially with my friends who are in the dance major of like you you had an expiration date and you mm-hmm. there was a lot of them decided to go to college, but there was a lot of them decided not to because they didn't feel they could waste that time. Oh yeah. And I feel like there's you're so young at that point. Like there's so much necessary growth and development to like kind of yeah. be forced out of that and told that like you're gonna expire at like fucking 28 is oh my god. I look back and I think back at I thought I was old. I was like 21. Oh my god. I was 21. Mm-hmm. Here I am 28 now, just entering the best of like <laughs> what I've ever been, what yeah. I've ever done, how I've ever moved. And I wish I could have told my college self or anyone that's just graduated or just getting into school to chill the fuck down because you have so much time. You will not get good. I swear. You will not get good until you start entering your late 20s. (laughs) You have more life. (laughs) You have more life behind you. Yeah. Art is life. Art reflects what you've gone through. And you're a better storyteller the older you get. And until I realized that, I was like, whoa. My career, endless. Like, yeah, I feel that because, like, you know, I've, like I said, I've been taking this break from theater, and you know, of course, you know, I've been working on this my whole life, so my whole family is like freaking the fuck out. They're like, (laughs) "Are you sure you're gonna regret this?" And I'm like, Mm. "My life, I'm hopefully will live a long life. I have so many years Mm. to still fulfill that dream in me." Right now, that dream and I aren't like clicking, but I'm clicking with other things. And, you know, as I grow as a person, hopefully I can come back to this thing that I once loved, evolved and able to see that like I... I'm enough exactly the way I am and and I don't need to change my body, my voice, whatever it is to like fit in the mold that people want me to be in. Mm-hmm. So I love hearing that because it makes me feel better about my decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going through that now. You're going to go through that no matter any age. Yeah. It's going to be different seasons. And I mean, I did three auditions last year, all of 2022. Yeah. I, I, I didn't one. work. I don't think I worked a paying job last year. Mm-hmm. And even this season, the audition season is yeah. starting right now. Oh. And I, I'm not really in it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and there is so much pressure we put on ourselves. And I do think schools put that pressure on you. 100%. I just had a conversation with my friend Julia Shout out, Julia. Before this, we got coffee and she was saying how the school mentality focuses on the track of like graduating college and being that 0.01% to make it right to Broadway. Totally, well, Baby, totally. that's not realistic. Even the agents. We, we had a, yeah. a teacher who literally, uh, she she was one of our teachers at Elon and we all followed each other on like social media because there are no boundaries of the uh, theater professional Performing whatever's, but regardless, yeah, another top. Uh, yes, <laughs> but she went and unfollowed most of us, and we noticed mm-hmm. the only ones she stayed following were the ones who were like either already on Broadway or like on that gonna be in Broadway in the next two year track. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
super transparent what you're doing. Yeah. Cool. That's yeah. fucked up. Particularly, mm. it was like, I thought we were pretty close, but I guess fucking not. Yeah. And that's, I'm sorry, that's well, awful. That's okay. Not shout out to you, Professor. <laughs> no. But, no, 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 no. Like, and that's what we're sold, right? Yes. That's what we're sold 100%. is the story of the young success mm-hmm. and the making it right away. And if you don't, then you're going to wait tables and your dream is like or on the flip the side, like, I'm curious if you experience this. We're both on the taller side and like I've my weight has fluctuated a lot. Yeah. 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 And I was told like, you're going to do great when you're 40. And it's like, mm. cool. So mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do for the next 20 fucking years? Just fuck around? Yeah. I mean, I've been told so many things yeah. in my career. Yeah. And I think I'm at a place now where I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. I I don't care. Yeah. Like, you want me to be skinny? Cool. You want me to be plus size? Cool. I'm just going to do exactly what I want to do. Yeah. And however anyone wants to paint me in their picture of that, great. It has to be how I am at this moment. Right. And if not, I'm not, I'm not going to work with you. And that's, that's okay. Yeah. But this whole idea of looking a certain way or fitting – a certain size to fit in a costume to do this. Like I'm, I'm over it. I don't, I don't prescribe to it anymore. Yeah. I I can't do it. I feel you. It was interesting because I feel like at school, I really, I I mean, I've been, you know, made to plus size my entire life. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, knew it impacted things, but I don't think I realized until I left school, how much it impacted things Mm -hmm. and how, how people really saw me and how, small the window felt as far as like casting and stuff like that. But I agree with you. I was like, I can't, I'm not going to lose weight or change myself to fit in an industry. Like I can't do that. Like it's Mm -hmm. not going to work. So either I'm going to audition as me or I'm just going to figure out something else that I feel like I can be myself in. Yeah. Well, that's why I love creating content. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is just me. And take it or leave it. It's my show. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's what I some I used to get, you know, people's opinions, especially when I first started making TikToks yeah. about like a TikToker. Like, what is she doing? That looks so bad for your resume or your whatever and how you're showing up on the internet. And now those same people are like, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. How can I do it? How can I get millions of people to watch me a week? And I'm like, yeah, yeah you're just, it's a different medium of mm-hmm. making your own show. And I always tell Thank people, you. young people, like, if you feel there is not a space for you, create. Mm-hmm. Stop looking at what there is not or mm-hmm. the lack of space for you. Create your own shit. Yeah. And you will be fulfilled and it will take you in directions that you probably didn't think you would go to because you were fed this narrative from college about how it's supposed to look like. It's going to take you different ways. But if you can create your own stuff, what you thought you needed to be or look like, it it starts to leave your brain. Yeah. Because you're so focused on your creation. I agree with that 100%. When, when, you know, family members or people ask me, like, why I've decided to pivot or pursue these things, I'm like, I don't have to ask an, an agent, a casting director to get on my own TikTok. Like, oh I get God. to show up and and perform. And I think it's interesting how people don't really realize how much creating content is performing and entertainment and all the skills that we use, like not obviously maybe how you would use them to prepare for like a TV show or movie, but you use them, you know? And it's great that, you know, there is this medium to 
have. It's all storytelling. All we do as actors, as professionals, we tell stories. Yeah. So what's the difference between you talking to your phone, telling a story and you talking to an audience? It's all, it's all storytelling. It's what we're here to do. And I feel like to some reason, like not to some reason, I feel like to some extent, there's also like this thing of like fear of being cringy. And I feel like it's, everything seems cringy until Mm. you succeed at it. Mm -hmm. And like, or even with, there was a girl who we went to college with, Audrey Trillinger, who got a lot of shit from people for caring about things outside. And, like, I think there was definitely some level of judgment around, like, her putting content out until, mm-hmm. like, now she's succeeding. And I think there's a lot of people, like, fucking banging on her door about it. And it's mm-hmm. like, people are going to be really judgmental, but you'll never know if you'll succeed at something unless you give it a fucking try. And yeah. even if people are going to be real dicks along the way, like, if it works out, those dicks are going to be regretting it. Mm. I hate yeah. that I use dicks so much there. <laughs> I take that back. I didn't like that. No, no, but you you are correct. And people will judge you until they see it working. And mm-hmm. then they will be asking for your help. And that's what I remind myself. Like mm. every single day or every time I doubt myself or I hear a nasty comment or know someone that I thought was a friend saying shit. Like mm. I just remember that that and – if you're a good person and a kind person and putting stuff out there that you want to see or you want to watch or listen to, who fucking cares if it's cringy? Yeah. Everyone's cringy. Get over <laughs> yourself. Like, Literally. what? Do you really know someone in real life that there's no level of cringe? <laughs> Are we 12? Grow up. Like, everyone's cringy. So. Literally. I know. I was giving a presentation the other day at my internship that I'm doing. And we were talking. They asked me to present, like, on TikTok and, like, and skills and strategies. And I use. I was like, I had to accept that, like, I just have to be cringy. Like, I just, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I can't think about the random person from high school that may see this. Like, just, I just have to be myself because I want to give myself these opportunities. And so if you want to succeed, you got to, like, just, like, be cringy. It's okay. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And being cringy is just being yourself. And, like, if you think you're cringy, your content's going to suck. So, like, don't. Don't let yourself think that. Just, yeah. Just be you. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And so, you know, you gave us this journey of like moving to New York. When you look back at yourself when you first moved here, what do you wish you would have known? What was it? And especially also an, uh, aside, another question. Um, what was it like in the theater world <laughs> pre-pandemic mm-hmm. when you were here? Yeah. You saw a lot of people's close friend stories of what it was like in the, the before times. And I'm curious to oh yeah, yeah. get your, your thoughts. Yeah. Pre-pandemic. Okay. Well, let me hit the first yeah. one of what I wish I would have known. I wish then I moved here in 2016. Okay. I graduated college 2016, moved here in October. And I wish I would have known that fitting in does nothing for you. Mm. Fitting in does not make you memorable. It dims your personality. It dims the way you perform and trying to conform into a type Mm. to be typecasted or to box yourself in only limits you to that box. Yeah. And that's what I wish I would have done differently. I, I, would have also told myself that, you know, I'm not someone that comes from money. And so I've, you know, paid all the bills when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. My ticket out here, my apartments, everything. And I would have told her that, like, it's okay to have to just work. 
yeah. to make money and to live here. And no one's surpassing you because you're not at that audition or you didn't get that job because you can't be here because you had to go work your nine to five to do it. Like everyone has their own journey and that is okay. And a lot of people's families help them. So like yeah. knowing just where you are and honoring that and getting settled, live your life, find your personality. Basically, don't blend in. <laughs> was my very long answer for what I could have yeah. said. Just try, just be yourself, which is so dumb. Everyone says be themselves, but but it's very hard too. Yeah, I mean, it's I hard. spent all of high school trying to become exactly like everyone else, and now I've spent yeah. ever since trying to figure out who the fuck I am and undo that. Yes, and when you're 22, I was 22 when I moved wow. here. I you just want to be loved yeah. and accepted. You want to survive. You want to feel included mm-hmm. and you look up to all these people that like have what you want and you try and be like them or you try and be like the people that are your age that are booking and and doing the things that you want to do. But you're not them. Yeah. That's the thing. You're, you're not. So just focus on yourself and stay in your lane. I always talk about this picture of Michael Phelps. Now, I'm not a swimmer. <laughs> Okay. Michael Phelps. I actually don't even, like, I don't even know if he's good or bad right now. I don't know what the internet stands on him as. So if you need to cut this out, but like, there is this kind of viral, like, meme of Michael Phelps winning some Olympics. <laughs> he's won so many at this so point. Many. But he was swimming to the finish line. <laughs> Michael Phelps, shout out. The Olympic swimmer. <laughs> he was swimming to the finish line, and it was this photo of him and the guy next to him. Mm-hmm. And the guy next to him is looking at him and Michael Mm. Phelps is looking at the finish line Mm. straight ahead. And that image is so powerful to me because if you are too busy looking at everyone else to see what they're doing or how you should be or how you should look or what you should wear or be influenced by, like you're not looking, you're not staying in your lane and you're not trailblazing and you're not going your own direction. I love that. So I guess be Michael Phelps swimming. Be Michael Phelps. (laughs) Get that Olympic gold medal, Queen. I love that. Yeah. Now, pre-pandemic. Yeah, I got to know this. A world. The Wild West. (laughs) Um, Well, now you can say today's the Wild West, too. I know. I know. I mean, okay. Before the pandemic, musical theater life out here was wild. I mean... End of January, February through April is audition season. Okay. And still is, I guess. Uh, Was then. (laughs) That was the season. And you just knew that you would – there would be like 10 to 20 auditions a week. You Mm -hmm. would find them on backstage, playbill, actors access. Everything was in person. And if you're non-union, what you would do was go to the audition studios – and sign up at like four o'clock in the morning to get on a list, go go home or like wait in line all morning mm-hmm. outside in the cold because the buildings aren't open for you. And then at 10 o'clock when they open, everyone goes up, you know, if they honor this like piece of paper that says what order you got there, that would be your order of the audition. And you would just grind it out. Mm-hmm. It was when people say like the audition grind, that was the grind. When mm-hmm. you were up at 4 a.m. Monday through Friday, auditioning until like 2 or 3 and then going to work. I would normally audition from like 
4 a.m. to 2 p.m. Oh, my God. And then I'd go work from, like, 3 p.m. to 10 or 11. Wow. At night. And that was that was what it was. It was all in person. It was all cattle calls, 300-plus people at auditions. Like, it was just – it was an experience. Yeah. It was not fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a person that loves auditioning. So the act of doing it and being in the room and learning, and I've, I've always loved that. Mm-hmm. But waiting around, no one wants to wait around in the cold for six hours outside oh, in winter in New York City. Like, Lord. that was not fun. Um, so I don't miss it. But I don't love self-tapes now. No. Yeah, There's a lot a of complicated like a time on your side. Learning choreography from those videos sucks. But also, like, then you have to pay for a space. Like, yeah. it now costs even more just to fucking audition. Yeah. yeah, I stopped auditioning. I stopped. And I told my agents. I told everyone. I, I was like, I can't do it. Yeah. And I at the time, I had the money to spend on it. But it was a principal thing. Like, fuck you. I'm not spending $80 to rent a room to audition this thing that you're not even breaking down. You're not even teaching me the combination. Mm-hmm. You're, you have your associate dancing it and they're not even giving counts. And you want me to spend money for you not even watch my stupid video on oh, YouTube yeah. with the whole, we watch it, YouTube algor- algorithm. Algorithm, don't lie, baby. You. I can, I can see. see the views. <laughs> I know this shit. It okay. would piss me off when they would request an additional video. You do the additional video and then they never watch it. And it's yeah. like, why did I just go and now spend three hours of my life and money yeah. using my fucking nice makeup and doing yeah. my hair and, and giving my hair more damage it's ridiculous. for you to not even fucking watch it? Ridiculous. I just started asking my agents. I've been saying, will they take my dance reel? Yeah. Whenever I get auditions now that ask me to film, I say, will they take my dance reel? Yeah. What is the point of making a dance reel? The highlight, you can see exactly what I can do on this dance reel. And make a judgment from there. And then if you want to call me back, sure, sure, I'd invest a little. Don't want to. But maybe if I'm, you know, in callbacks to mm-hmm. get in, I'll do that. And and funny enough, they said yes. Like, so start asking if people will take your dance reel, people. That's a really good tip. Ask for what you want. Because you will never about that all the time right say now. Is it will no. always be a no yeah. unless you ask. Mm-hmm. Like so, yeah. It's so interesting because I remember being at school, and I may have said this on the podcast before that I had a friend at the time who was like doing the New York grind. Um, you know, she was out of school and was auditioning, and she would post about it on her Instagram stories. And she was getting up like at the crack mm-hmm. ass of morning mm-hmm. and going to these auditions. And I remember it was pretty early on in our education at Elon. It was like our freshman year. And I sat there in my dorm and I was like, do I want this enough to do that? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like to get up that early um, and and, like do that and go through that. And it's such – it's interesting because now we don't don't know that world. I – once I graduated from college, I – barely auditioned like mm. I did a, a gig over the summer at this theater called Wagon Wheel and then I came back and I I tried it but it just wasn't I don't know it just wasn't clicking and it and also I felt like I did have an opportunity to get in the room once and I did and all those skills that I had gained of like being in the room at college were lost because I hadn't used them in like two years. I was mm-hmm. like, I forget how to be like literally in a room. Um, yeah, the audition situation is very interesting now in the theater world. Yeah. And I mean, there's talks of 
equity coming back and there are a few mm-hmm. like in-person things yeah, that are happening 100%. now and starting to go back but you know I don't I don't I don't feel like doing it right now and yeah, that is that. okay yes I mean and I, I do feel like it'll go I took like a full year off from auditioning mm-hmm. um because I started hating theater I mean I think especially we finished our degree our last year and a half in the pandemic mm-hmm. and so we essentially did all the parts of theater that suck without any of the parts that are any modicum of enjoyability. Mm. Um, and so by the end, I just kind of uh, hated it. Mm. And I auditioned for like eight months and I was hating it. And I took like a full year off and I almost saw no shows this year until December, right before I went home. I saw a bunch and it's because I like finally missed theater enough that like I could enjoy it and I could see a show without like being angry and really fucking bitter about it. Mm. Because I think I was just had so much anger about, like, how everything ended and just, like, yeah, I, I needed – if I hadn't stopped, like, I could have kept going. But, like, even if I had booked something, I think I would have just been so angry and bitter still. Like, yes. I now love theater again and I miss it and I'm, like, starting to enjoy, like, even just, like, dancing or singing in my fucking apartment okay. in a way that, like, I I realized I, like – I, like, enjoyed when I was in classes and everything, but I hadn't done, sent, sung, or danced just for the joy of it in a really fucking long time. Yeah, that's so smart because I always tell people, jobs don't make you happy. No, Mm. at the end of the day, it's still a job. You know, so if you're banking on booking something to fulfill your self-worth or your joy, you're not going to find it. So it's better to take a break and figure that shit out the hard life shit, the who you are, the everything that you want to do or what your values are, it's better to do that when you're not in a job. You want to you want to try and figure that shit out while you're on the job. Oh my god. While you're doing impossible. a show, <laughs> while you're on TV, like it doesn't that you can't do that. So yeah. I am so big on taking breaks now and honoring that and that's what they need to teach you in school is longevity, mm-hmm. you know? your career is a lifetime. You need to know how to approach it like that. And rest comes into that. What A-list celebrity is working big shows every single year? Like you tell me, you know? I feel like only people in the beginning of their career and then so often they tell stories of like, yeah, I took every single fucking job I could get and then I had to take like four years off because I Mm -hmm. couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The burnout hit me in college. Like I I left uh, for a semester. I I went to treatment because I – it like hit and it hit real hard. Mm -hmm. And ever since that that moment, I was like – I can't, you know, the whole, like, the show always must go on shit. I was like, mm-mm, like, it can't. <laughs> like, obviously it can't. Yeah. Um, but I get it. Like, I think all performers put this insane amount of pressure to live up to all of these crazy standards that were taught from a very early age in this industry, whether, like, any performance industry, like, I feel. So it's wild. Mm-hmm. It's wild. But it's so interesting to hear about how New York was before yeah, just imagine a bunch of actors, <laughs> 4 a.m., like, mm-hmm. sitting outside, <laughs> oh, waiting for an audition studio to open. My favorite place to audition was Sunlight Studios. Ooh, Sunlight? Sunlight. I think it's Sunlight. Someone, OGs, if you're watching, you correct, <laughs> correct me in the comments. Um, but I loved it there because they had a lower level lobby. And if you got there before 5.30 a.m., you could sit in the lobby Fine. while everyone else had to sit outside. You could sit there wow. until 9 a.m. I have photos. 
I have so many photos. You could sit in there in the warmth to wait for your audition instead wow. of on the streets. That was my favorite place to audition because the other studios, you had to wait on the streets. So that is I still insanity. remember hearing about that uh, hairspray cattle call. Like I still I remember did that. people I... posting like I survived the 2019, 2020, uh-huh. maybe right before the pandemic hairspray cattle call. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't have to go to that. I like, I was in finals for that. And then I decided, I mean, I was like, I'm not touring in a pandemic, but <laughs> Um, I remember I was such an asshole, but I like got invited to the callbacks and I like didn't have to do the cattle call. And I was like, I've made it in my career. <laughs> I literally thought that moment I was like, I've made it bitches. Like this, is, this is it. I didn't have to do the cattle call. And then like the next day I'm at a cattle call. So, oh, you know, you go, don't let that baby get too far. <laughs> no, that was wild. That one in the SpongeBob national tour yeah. was one of the biggest auditions because when SpongeBob happened, people who weren't even actors just came into the city because they like SpongeBob. Oh. Out of all the shows, I'm like, Sponge fucking Bob SquarePants <laughs> is what you came in from Jersey to come audition for. And I cut the line on that. And I didn't mean to, but I just did. And it was worth it. And it, it, they had you sing eight bars. I remember eight bars. That is something uh, you never will understand. Eight oh, you bars. You can't do any story. What are you going to do bars? in eight bars? Like, Nothing. <laughs> just fine. If you have us do eight bars, give us like a, a couple bell tones or something you want us to hit. Don't yeah. make us sing from our book. I like, know. Anyway. Yeah. Wild West. I remember uh, my dad and I, not as much anymore because I live here and et cetera in life, but we'd always watch the Tony Awards together mm-hmm. um, since I was in high school. And we started doing like you these printout sheets where you could like place guesses. And I remember the year of SpongeBob. I don't know why, but I think he usually like will read into the New York Times reviews to yeah. basically try and get insight of who's going to win, which I call fucking cheating. Um, but I think that year he just forgot. And so he picked SpongeBob for everything. And mm-hmm. so I just like kept my mouth shut and I was like, SpongeBob's not winning the Tony for the best fucking musical or fucking whatever. And I remember being so proud when it was like, you fucker, you didn't read the thing. Mm-hmm. And you, for some reason, SpongeBob <laughs> was the only name you recognized. So you're like, it's got to be SpongeBob. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not SpongeBob. And then also in the pandemic, you talked a little about a bit about this earlier, is that you started your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and like... I think I'm curious about like three, two to three tips that you could give to anybody listening that may want to start a business. Ooh, yeah. It is a commitment Mm -hmm. and a journey and you cannot wait for it to be perfect before you do it or you will never do it. And when I started my business, I had no idea what I was doing. I remember going on Instagram. This was early pandemic. Yeah. When everyone, excuse me, when everyone was doing their free like Instagram live workout classes. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was insane because everyone that was giving all these free Instagram classes were people like me who were out of work Mm -hmm. and like all fitness instructors. I worked in fitness before and Everyone was giving all this free stuff. And I was like, that's so sweet. But all of your clients still have their nine to fives. They're just working from home. So now you're just you're just working for free. Yeah. And I went on my Instagram and I told my followers and my clients that followed me, I was like, hey, I'll teach classes, but I'm not doing it for free. Yeah. It's going to be $15 a person and you're going to Venmo me if you want to take. And I had 
56 people sign up for my first class and pay for it. And I was like, oh, this is something. And as soon as money got involved, I was like, I I took all that and I went and made an LLC. Mm -hmm. And I just kept reinvesting the money into the business. But saying that, my tip is you just have to, number one, go for it and try it and know that what it looks like on day one is not what it's going to look like on year three. Yeah. Like how I started my business in March 2020, it's completely different now. Mm -hmm. And in another five years, it'll probably be even more different. So you have to be okay with evolving. And I always say just like jumping off the cliff and and knowing that you'll land. You won't know where you'll land, but you have to be able to pivot every month, every week, every idea and and treat it less emotionally and more strategically like a business. And I feel like as yeah. artists, that's really hard if you're an artist listening who is starting a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so tip number one is you're going to be constantly pivoting and you have to be okay with that. I think my second one would be learn how to market yourself and market your product get over your imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and tell people about what you do. Yeah. People will not buy your business, buy your product, take your classes unless you tell them what you do. And that's the hardest thing, right? I mean, you have a podcast. Oh my God. How yeah. many times are you posting about your podcast today? So, so many. many. So many, yeah. right? There are some people that have podcasts or businesses or there was a point in time I was when my sales were low in my business and I was like, why isn't anyone signing up for my classes? Bitch, I didn't post it about it in a month. Who's going to know? <laughs> Who's going to know what yeah. you do if you don't tell them? And it's not icky or cringy or anything. It's a service. Yeah. So so sell it and treat it like that and just keep keep shouting it from the rooftops because if you're not proud of what you do and willing to share that with anyone, why would anyone trust you and and buy from you? So yeah. tip number two, you have to market and you have to tell people, tell people yeah. about what yeah. you do. And then the third one is just, hmm, what would I say? Sorry. Oh. oh left me. Um oh, oh, I have it. <laughs> <laughs> In the beginning, do as much as you can on your own, all yourself. Mm. As a business owner, you have to be able to know exactly how your business runs, how everything runs, how you do your programming, how if you make content, how you make it, how you edit it. I fully believe you have to know the ins and out of your business, like the back of your hand Mm. and Do not waste money on branding or hiring people. Don't do that until it's impossible, I guess, is what I'm saying, to operate it on your own. Mm -hmm. And even then, you can probably still operate it on your own and readjust your priorities because you'll just be burning money. So... Do as much as you can on your own for however long you can. I made the mistake where I hired eight people right away in the beginning as independent contractors Mm -hmm. to teach for me. And at the time, I was able to pay them and do it. 
But I looked at the end of the year and I was paying those people more than I was paying myself. Mm. And I spent so much money on getting branded and a website. And now how my business is looks nothing like that. So I wasted $1,500. Lovely people I worked with. This is this is nothing on them. It yeah. was, it was a, you know, so just don't, don't spend the money. <laughs> yeah. Do it yourself. <laughs> that's so interesting because like when people will ask us about the podcast and like different elements of it, you know, we don't have the money to pay yeah. people to do it. Like we had someone you asked know. today, they were like, oh, who does your graphics? And we were like, we, us. we did have our like logo, logo done at the beginning by someone because we wanted that be something that we really liked but we mm-hmm. found someone not super expensive no no she someone was, was asking about all of our other graphics and we were like canva yeah canva, canva. get a canva get a canva pro account mm-hmm. it is actually so easy i was telling my boss about it the other day because i made a presentation with it he was like where where is this from i was like canva, canva. yes i yes. love some canva yeah but yeah i love that last piece of advice um because i think you know not like sometimes like in what like we do with podcasting I'm like do we need this or do we need that like because you know you see all these people out there and they got like the glitz and the glam and this and that and I'm like I think if we can figure out how to do it ourselves like hopefully one day down the road if we get somewhere um you know bigger it's like we'll know exactly all the things that we have on our bucket. Mm-hmm. Plus I like having it under our control. I'm going to be honest. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I think that would be, it would now be hard for me to give up control over certain things. Cause mm-hmm. I like that. Like it comes out exactly how we want it. Yeah. Fully own your shit. Yeah. And, oh, I had one more. I'll Go add it really it. fast yeah. because for it. I should have made this number one, your business, <clears throat> clear the throat loud and clear. <laughs> however, your business is not about you. Your business mm, is about yep. the people you serve. Yes. And as soon as it becomes self-serving, you're done. Mm. So always pivot for your clients or your listeners, your viewers, whatever that is, whatever your business is. It is not for you. If you want something to be for you, write in your journal. Yeah. But if you're creating a product or a service for people, it has to be for those people. And you have to listen to their feedback. You have to adjust for them. You have to give to them or it, it will fail. So that's my last little bit. It's not about you. Yeah, I love that piece of advice because I feel like that's something that I try and think about like when we're doing stuff. It's like, how can it be valuable to the person listening to mm-hmm. this? Like when I listen to a podcast, why do I continue to listen? And that's something that I've been thinking a lot as a content creator. If I'm watching you, listening to you, whatever it is, why? What about mm-hmm. what you're doing is like serving me? So I love that. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, also during the pandemic, and you mentioned this earlier as well, you decided to take a break from the NYC life and get away yeah. and kind of you described it on your TikTok, like as sort of like a kind of healing journey for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that break? What do you feel like you've gotten out of it? Oh, the break was so necessary. Yeah. Um, reflecting on it. You can't run away from your problems. <laughs> the old saying. Yeah. So, and I knew, I actually, no, when I was traveling across the country, like I, I didn't know that. I thought leaving New York, all of my problems would be solved mm. and that my mental health would be better and I would not be depressed and I, I everything would be good. Like I would have all the answers. Um, and what it ended up being was just me sitting there half the time taking edibles, going into my own world and Mm -hmm. just being like, what am I doing? I was just freaking out in different locations. So (laughs) I'll be real. My time away 
it was great. I got to spend time with family, be in the sun. It was good. But coming back, I was still almost where I was when I left. Mm. And when I came back, that is when I decided I really needed to reevaluate my relationship with myself, with my friends, with my partner, with, with everything, how I wanted to live, how I wanted my career to be, how I was auditioning, everything. And I had to face that head on. Um, and that's when I started healing Mm -hmm. and, and, getting out of this depressive like episode I was. That's when I stopped caring how I was being perceived. That's when I I found a new relationship with dancing and performing, but traveling away was good and bad. Yeah. But it is not until you sit with yourself and stare at yourself in the mirror <laughs> and journal it out, whatever that is for you. I'm big on journaling. And, and really just face your own demons. Mm-hmm. And I am privileged to have had that time to be yeah. able to do that. And I work very hard to be able to have that time and that space. But mental health is a – it is a journey. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. if anyone listening is having a rough time with it right now, know that running away won't help you. But f- – really facing what is bothering you and maybe that's therapy i tried therapy didn't work for me yeah so there are many means i think in which you can connect with yourself yeah take that time and forget about auditioning forget about your career for like worry about you yeah and then and then start adding in the layers so traveling didn't do that for me but being being back in new york did that's so interesting because it's so funny. A couple of weeks ago, I was just like freaking out about life. I was like, maybe I need to like move somewhere else, like go somewhere else. But hearing your story and like you saying that, it makes so much sense mm-hmm. that like it doesn't matter where you go. Like these things are going to be with you no matter what. And mm-hmm. even though it's fucking hard to just like face things head on, like go for it. Yes. I feel like that's the face of my life I'm in right now. it's scary it's scary but it is worth yeah that journey oh I feel I feel that 100 percent and like in your time away I mean I feel like in general on your TikTok you know you talk about body image and you know healing the relationship or building a better relationship with yourself can you just talk about like the ways that you've done that or the way or what your journey is in that right now? Yeah, I've, gosh, I've gone through so many (laughs) waves of this. Yeah. And I've been in this for a while. And, you know, what used to be called body positivity is now body neutral, is now positive body image, is now this, that, and the other. Like I said earlier, I'm kind of at this place where I'm like, I don't want to fucking talk about my body anymore. Yeah. But what I will say is – I lost my train of thought. That's okay. I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, so I don't want to talk about it anymore. End of sentence. No, there you go. Period <laughs> at the end of the sentence. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't – you didn't forget. This was the intent. I think – yeah, I, I think that's, that's – that's, that's, that's really it. Yeah. And I was – 
for a long time because on social media, I became this like figure for people, this inspiration of yeah. what a non-traditional dancer could look like. Mm-hmm. And I felt this pressure of needing to educate people or like, yeah. or make that my content or my personality because that's all people would comment on and that's what they would see. And then I got in this weird state with my art where I was like, am I really good or am I just good for like being a little curvier than the average dancer? Mm. Or, you know, and then I got mad because I was like, why don't skinny people have to talk about their bodies? Like, why do I have to do this? Why can't you tell me I'm just really fucking good at what I do? End of sentence. Yeah. So I just that that I say that because that's why I'm at this place now where healing I think part of my healing with it was a little like do I need to say I'm healing because I'm this role model for people Mm. or or am I okay actually with just like how I am at different months at different times I I don't know so I really have taken a step back on talking about it I will add it in here and there because you know, people people need to be reminded that they're beautiful and they're good yeah. and, uh, as they are. But, like, it gets so exhausting talking about your body and wanting people to talk about your body all the time that I just – I got burnt out on it. I get it. And if you're going through a process of healing and wanting to heal your relationship with yourself, honestly, I'd say do it privately. Mm. I'm literally doing that right now. And it has been the best thing Cause it's all for me and I'm not sharing it with the world. Yeah. And if I feel good about myself and what I'm doing and how I'm healing myself, then anything anyone says doesn't, doesn't Does faze hurt. me, doesn't hurt, yeah. doesn't matter. So that's, that's my note on a healing journey with yourself. I, I think one of the best, I forget if it was from a teacher or where I fucking heard this, but it's, you you don't owe the world your your wounds, especially. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you want to share and be open, like do it once it's a scar and it's healed. And mm-hmm. like if it's still a really touchy scar, then don't. But like you don't owe the world your wounds. And I think that's really hard, especially with like the very parasocial relationships that are developed. Yeah. Like when like social media couples break up, I think people really want to know. And it's like oh no. You don't owe people like to like open up your guts and show them everything that's inside and all that's broken. Like, no, wait and do it when like that skin is healed. And that's, I'm glad you said that. That's exactly what I was doing. I mean, over the pandemic, I gained almost 80 pounds. Yeah. And I don't need to go into my health problems, but like I, while I was going through that, I was trying to help other people. You gotta what? put on your oxygen mask first. Like what? You know, and that messed me up for a while. And then you get the criticism from people being like, "Well, you're not big enough. You're not small enough. No. You're not this. You're yep. not that. You should say this. Or why aren't you talking about this person? Or this person should have a platform instead of you." And I'm like, I didn't choose who follows me. Like, right. I, you know. So so just I just stopped. Yeah. And. And it's, it's, it's good. That's good. good. It feels a lot better now. I went through this whole phase where I was like, 
oh my god, if I gain weight, my followers are gonna hate me. If I lose weight, my followers are gonna hate me. And I, but then I was just thinking about other people, and I never focused on myself. Yeah. So now, I could care less. Period. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, okay, love or hate me, I, I don't care. That and that's what healing is truly when you stop caring about other people truly Mm -hmm. one day fingers are crossed (laughs) and it will never be perfect no i don't think yeah no i get it i feel like as i get older i get a lot better at it and it's just like getting there and continuing that work with like myself and everything to get to that point where i'm like you know I'm okay with that. Even like take the break from theater. It's like taking the this year and I mean, I'm still taking it off. I'm like, I've gotten further away from caring like what the fuck people like think about me, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting into a little bit of like 20s chat. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you are in your later 20s. No, go for it. Oh, please go, go, go for it. Um. Hydrate or die. Literally. Um, How do you feel you've evolved from like your early 20s to your later 20s? Mm. Um, I think the best way to describe it. Well, there's a couple components. I think as women, there is so much attached to aging, Mm. especially in the entertainment industry. I remember growing up, it was like, if you're 30, you're done. Like, mm-hmm. old hag. Yeah. You want a career? You're the mother at 30. Mm-hmm. You're, no. So there was always that fear. And when I was in my younger 20s, I I was just trying to fit in, I think, because right. I thought that if I didn't succeed really early, I would be an old hag who would never work <laughs> at 30. And I feel like the big difference between younger 20s, I didn't have a personality. My personality was trying other people's personalities <laughs> and trying other people's styles and 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 seeking. It feels like you're in water and you're swimming towards different life vests. Yeah. And like this life vest, that doesn't fit. Let me swim over here. I'm in the swimming thing today. (laughs) (laughs) We're all swimming. We're all all just humans doing human (laughs) swimming. And like you're just trying to find the right floating device. Yeah. And that is how your early 20s feel is you're, you're just trying to keep your head above water. And your later 20s, it's great. <laughs> it's great. Uh, you'll have a crisis. Maybe. Hopefully you won't. I did. Um, and my crisis happened like 26, 27. Yeah. In that transitional phase. I, I feel like I'm just getting out of it now. Um, and and then you hit this beautiful point where, like I said earlier, you stop caring about mm. what other people think. And you design your own life jacket and you Period. keep yourself afloat. Yeah. And it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Early 20s, you care so much about people pleasing, being the right look, saying the right thing, making the right people happy. And then late 20s, it's like 
you start to know your own value Mm. and you start to rewire your brain to be like, oh, what does Megan add to the conversation? Not what does Megan have to be to add to a conversation? Mm. So it becomes more of a very self-aware, very confident feeling that you don't have to impress anyone and and it's great. You'll love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. It sounds great already. Yeah, it yeah. is just you are who you are and you give less fucks. Yeah. And I was trying to figure that out. I always ask my grandma. I'm like, Grandma, how did you survive your 20s? And she's like, <laughs> 20s, girl. Like, what are you talking about? That oh. didn't matter. And, you know, so just – being yourself is is the difference. Is, yeah, is the difference. Yeah, trying to fit in is what you try to do until you realize that doesn't work, and then you stop trying. Was there great. a moment that you felt like you realized that fitting in wasn't working for you? Well, I think when I was doing diets every mm. day. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I was just always trying to be like every other dancer. That Got was such it. a big yep. part of my life where I was like, okay, it's not working being skinny. So, uh-oh, the thing I thought was going to get me on Broadway or was going to excel my career, I got there. Yeah. And I still didn't get what I wanted. And then, you know, the moment was literally when I started my social media and mm-hmm. just started sharing the actual Megan, my opinions, um, how I feel about certain things and and evolving with that and just creating my own stuff gave me the power to feel like I, I knew who I was and have my voice and and feel very secure in myself. So, yeah, yeah that, that was the point. Just... Being chronically online, I guess. Putting yourself out there. <laughs> was my turning point. Yeah. Yeah. So our last question for you, we asked this to everybody we interview. Is there a moment or can you tell us a moment you felt clueless recently? It can be big. It can be small. The one I always bring up is mine was, I don't know how often you're supposed to empty your vacuum cleaner. And I'm concerned that I haven't done it enough. <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, you guys, I had it. Uh, <laughs> it was at the top It of the was frame. there. It was there. I prepared one for when we were supposed to meet up the first time. Oh and then God. I forgot about it. You know, my car accident. And oh I my God. had a new one. God, that was a long time ago. I know, oh. a couple months ago. Wait. A couple no, months. No, not a couple months ago. So, so <laughs> a little backstory. <laughs> one of my really good friends, James, and I, who's also a content creator. Yes. Um, we've been wanting to like step up our game recently. And I told them, I was like, I want to take more Instagram pictures. Like I, I want to just try. I just want to try. Yeah. Like I live in New York city. I'm young and hot. Like let's get some photos. Period. And I watched YouTube videos on how to take good, like influencer photos or, <laughs> Or, like, I felt so clueless on how to pose for a, a iPhone camera, which is very different from, like, dance modeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I recently learned on your iPhone, if you take a selfie, mm-hmm. how you can zoom 
Like you can pinch the screen oh. in selfie mode. You can pinch the screen so it zooms out a little more. Oh. So it's not so close to you. Oh, okay. Yes. And yes, yes. I just, yeah, I will say that was when I felt clueless because I'm like, oh, I'm this content creator. And then I don't even know how to take a selfie correctly <laughs> on a phone. So that will be my answer. I feel clueless every day. But that's I love little, that. I, this was yesterday. I yep, love this that. Was yesterday. So. Do you know LensBuddy? The app oh, Lens Buddy, no, very helpful. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh. Basically, it's something we take use to take all of our photos, and it's this app, and basically, it will take like 25, 50, or hundred pictures at a time, and it just goes click, click, mm-hmm. click, click, and you just stand there and you move, and it's like a dance. <laughs> my my method that my my best friend in high school, Annie Palmer, taught me this. So I call it the Annie Palmer method. Definitely wasn't invented by her though. If you take a thousand photos, at least one of them's come out good. So you press yes. this. We set it to a hundred. You press it, and we then did. you just like. Make those little yes. stupid micro adjustments. My family hates me when we're taking photos because we'll, everyone will just stand exactly the same. And I'm like, <laughs> mm, work in the room. They hate you until they catch a but good photo of themselves. Like, Why do you look better in the photos? And I'm like, because I'm trying shit. Because I watched the YouTube video, mom and dad, okay? <laughs> I As influencer that. taught me. So. I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. This was such thank a great you. conversation. I'm like, feel like so inspired right now. Thank you Truly. for having me. Yeah. This is great. I'm Amazing. Hoping people can take little tidbits and oh, a thousand percent. Just be you. I feel like your listeners are a little probably early twenties. Oh like, yeah. Like stop trying to fit in and fit trends and and just find your own personality. Yeah. Make your own life vest. Swim, baby. Stay in your lane. Michael Phelps and out. <laughs> Swimming. Everyone you just keeps swimming. The everyone. YouTube version to see the hand gestures she's doing for swimming because that's what's I'll make really a making it. And just, <laughs> <somebody> <laughs> We're all just swimming. We're all just swimming. We're all just swimming. Thanks so much, everyone. Bye. Mm-hmm.